0: Welcome to ALEC Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're going to be talking about a recent Supreme Court decision and what it means for education choice. Joining me to discuss this topic first is the ALEC Director of the Education and Workforce Development Task Force, Scott Kaufman. Scott, thanks so much for calling into the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Of course. And joining us from the Institute for Justice is David Hodges. He is the education choice attorney over there. David, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss the Blaine Amendments. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So just to get things started for our listeners who aren't education choice policy experts or education choice attorneys, what are the Blaine Amendments? Uh, So the Blaine Amendments are
1: basically anti-Catholic state constitutional amendments that were rooted in 19th century anti-Catholic sentiment. And what I mean by that is that the 19th century saw a rise in Catholic immigration. And coincidentally, uh, that time also coincided with the development of the common school, uh, which is basically the precursor to what we think of as public schools today. And at the time, uh, the common schools were not the public schools that we have today. They were They were basically Protestant schools, meaning that they had the Protestant Bible, Protestant prayers, and Protestant instruction. They were basically thoroughly inflected with Protestant religion and and Protestant culture. And understandably, the Catholic immigrants who arrived in this country were unhappy and asked for funds to start their own schools or to simply not have such religiously oriented schools where there was very often like an anti-Catholic sentiment. And basically, in response to Catholic concerns about the nature of the schools, a movement arose that's come to be known as the Blaine movement to consolidate the Protestant monopoly of the schools in the name of non-sectarian schooling. And sectarian was a code word for Catholic. So it was basically non-Catholic schooling. And so basically it was not a secret about the purpose of it. If you look at the contemporaneous news accounts in the New York Times and The Nation, uh, many other newspapers, they referred to this as the so-called Catholic question. And basically what happened was that during the Blaine era, There was a federal amendment to the Constitution, um, and it barely failed. And after it failed, advocates of Blaine Amendments ended up getting them passed in 37 state constitutions.
2: So the Blaine Amendments have existed for more than a century. And, you know, we kind of had our first real big test of them uh, with with the Espinoza decision in the Supreme Court. Why why don't you tell us more about the Espinoza decision? What does it say? How does it change the way we understand these Blaine Amendments? Sure.
1: Um, So basically... Well, to back up a little bit, these blame amendments have been used to impede and invalidate uh, school of choice programs. And in Montana, it was no exception. So basically, what happened there is that in 2015, Montana passed a tax credit scholarship program that sort of low income children. Uh, and you know, basically, the way that it would work is that a person would donate to a scholarship granting organization, and in return, they would receive a tax credit for about $150. And basically, what happened is the Montana Supreme Court struck down the program under its Blaine Amendment. uh, And IJ appealed to the Supreme Court uh, that decision. And what, what did the Supreme Court decide? Well, so basically, we asked the court whether it violates the religion clauses of the First Amendment to the Constitution, the federal Constitution, to invalidate a generally available and religiously neutral benefit program simply because the program allows students the choice of attending religious schools. And happily, The Supreme Court said, no, states cannot discriminate based on religious status. And in his majority opinion, Chief Justice Roberts had two quotes that really sum up the opinion in its entirety. One is, a state need not subsidize private education, but once a state decides to do so, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. And the second quote was that the Constitution condemns discrimination against religious schools and the families whose children attend them.
2: So how does that impact states that have had the Blaine Amendments? Are Blaine Amendments gone? Have they been just, you know, heavily curtailed? Where does that stand in the states? Sure.
1: Well, so basically before Espinoza, as I mentioned before, there were Blaine Amendments in 37 states, and they were a commonly used tool to inhibit school choice programs. And in fact, 17 states relied on them to impede or invalidate school choice programs. But after Espinoza, the decision, while it doesn't, you know, rip the Blaine Amendments out of these state constitutions, it does effectively neutralize them. And so, you know, we did an analysis of the states, and what we found is that essentially every kind of school choice is possible in about 43 or 44 states, and in about four or five states only tax credit programs are possible. And then there are two other states where it's likely unconstitutional, and those are Massachusetts and Michigan.
2: Where can state legislators find this information? Do you all have on your website? Is there, is there a link or... or a or somewhere that they can find it? Oh, yeah. If you just go to
1: the um, IGA website, there's a guide to designing educational choice programs, um, and you should be able to find it in our school choice section.
0: And we'll be sure to link all of that, of course, in the show notes. So if our listeners are interested as well in checking that stuff out right now, go ahead and scroll down to the show notes and you will see them.
2: And I guess this is, you know, this is a great victory for school choice. Um, I don't think anyone doubts that, but obviously I'm always a glass half empty kind of guy. So I just... I'm concerned, you know, obviously, that this won't be the end of the school choice fight. I know Michigan has a constitutional ban that prohibits direct and indirect funding um, to all private schools. Are are you worried that anti-choice groups might try to pass similar measures in other states, different measures? I mean, what, what are we looking at? I mean, so from our perspective is that
1: since IG opened its doors nearly 30 years ago, there has not been a day when we have not been in court defending one of these programs. And so we expect the other side to be motivated and to do whatever they can to impede or invalidate future school choice programs or even existing ones. And hopefully we're going to have more victories like the one we had in Espinoza.
0: So most of the listeners of Alc across the states are people just like you guys. I mean, they're either very interested state policy wonks or they're state legislators themselves. David, while you have them, what is your take home, one thing they need to remember from today's conversation, either a state legislator or just someone who really follows state policy closely?
1: Sure. Well, what I would say is that educational choice programs have been proven to work and they've been successful in numerous states. And there's no better time than now to talk to your constituents and to pass one of these educational choice programs. They provide opportunities to people from all walks of life. They help improve the public schools, and they're just the right thing to do. No one, no matter where they are, no matter what station they are in life, um, should have educational opportunities denied to them. And educational choice programs help provide those opportunities to everyone.
0: Scott, how important is it for state legislators to capitalize on the post-Espinoza Supreme Court decision environment?
2: Well, I mean, it's a a great opportunity for those, those 37 states that had Blaine Amendments that were interested in school choice programs that they were, you know, until this point barred from having. So I think for people who believe that, you know, education dollars should follow kids and they shouldn't be there to fund buildings and systems. I think it's, it's a, it's a very important time. It's, it's good to be excited in the school choice camp, but also be weary because, you know, the other side is still there and they still have views that are different from ours and will do everything they can to maintain the status quo. I guess, David, is there anything you'd want to add on that subject? Uh, no, I, th- I think that you said it very well. The other side is is highly motivated um, and they've got a lot of
1: money behind them, but we have cause of sweetness and light behind ours. And, you know, if you talk to parents and to, and to students, you know, they want to have these options and it's up to us and it's up to legislators to listen to them and to, and to pass these programs and to ignore the pressure that we get from the other side.
0: Well, I've been your host, Dan Reynolds for ALEC Across the States, Sitting down to discuss education choice as it relates to the Espinoza Supreme Court decision and the Blaine Amendments. Thank you to our guests today. First, David Hodges, the Education Choice attorney at the Institute for Justice. David, thank you so much for calling into the podcast. My pleasure. And of course, thank you to Scott Kaufman, the Alec Director of the Education and Workforce Development Task Force. Scott, thanks so much for setting this podcast together. Um, really appreciate all the conversation. Thank you again, Dan. Yeah. And if you would like to have your ideas featured on ALEC Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at at acrossthestates@alec.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at ALECStates. The views and opinions expressed on across the states are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.